Jesus. And I give honor to the Lord. Glory to Jesus. And to my beloved wife. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sunday is illusions. 
Amen. Because so many times when we get in a in a difficult situation, we don't want to face reality. You know, I was just thinking how when she came to my office and she said, how do you prepare for someone to die? That she wasn't coming saying, can you pray for healing or can you come and pray for this? Or she didn't want to accept like she had a, she kind of accepted what was going on. Amen. And that's not to say that God can't heal them. But a lot of times people don't want to accept, accept the reality of what's happening. Yes, yes. Amen. And sometimes God wants us to accept the reality of what's happening Amen. and then turn to him and say, but God, if it's your will, I know you can do this. Amen. Right? I, I, I understand what's happening, but if it's your will, you can turn this around if you want to. But if you don't, if you choose not to, then I'm okay with that. I can accept it. Well, so many times we don't do that, and we create an illusion yes. of our own, and we paint a picture of how we want things to be. And that's so dangerous to do. And that's what we're talking about on today. Why in a time of distress, I mean, you have to accept what God is doing and not make an illusion of your own. Amen. So in times of adversity, and I've gone over so many words, now my, my slide is too small. But we know that in times of distress, in times of adversity, in times of affliction, God wants us to be present, to break forth, to be contrite, to be established. Amen. To know who our Savior is, like he told us last Sunday. And this Sunday, he's telling us not to paint a false picture of what's going on. And y'all, the other thing that brought me to this point in this sermon is, I don't know if y'all watch the news, but y'all know, like, um, that's something that I do when I often I often try to um, incorporate or I ask God to give me answers about things that's happening right now. Because when y'all leave out of this building, I want you to know how to apply the word to stuff that's happening around you and to be able to have an answer for people. So I don't know if y'all have been watching the news, but... If you even if you haven't been watching the news, you just know that there is like this heightened this heightened sense of uh, of gender and sexuality and people trying to choose who and what they want to be, right? And so I just began praying. Um, I just began praying like, okay, God, I see the direction that the world is going in, but I want to be the type of pastor. I want to have the type of compassion where I can minister to anybody. Yes, and I have done that in the past. I remember in, in, in my alma American attest to this, I remember one of the young men at the high school that I worked at, he had started this, he had started dressing as a girl. And I remember vividly going to he wasn't even in my class. I went and got him out of another teacher's classroom and began talking to him about Jesus. Yeah. Right? When so many other people had kind of just written him off like he was yeah. beyond gone at that point when you started to do things like that. Um, but as I as as I began to just pray about how to minister to a person in that situation, God just he he, he basically just told me they are in no worse shape than any other person. Amen. But the reason that I'm saying this to you all is because we got to take the blinders off. And, and and we started we started service by reading Genesis 
3 and 1. Amen. We, we start about reading Genesis 3 and 1. And it said that the, the serpent was more subtle, more cunning than any creature in the field. And now we're living in a time where Satan is painting illusions. And in times of distress, in times like the ones that we're living in, when people and Satan start to paint illusions, the Bible says that unless God shortens the time, none of us would make it in. Right? The deceptions are becoming so strong that even the elect might be a fool. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Amen. So in times of distress, can you accept reality or do you create an illusion to believe in? Amen. And so I just referenced Genesis 3 and 1, so I'm not going to read it to you again, but we see what Satan did, what Satan does here. He asks Eve a question. Yeah. And in her mind, she changes around what God said yes. and painted her own reality. Yes. And it wasn't a big change, it was a subtle change. Yeah. It was a subtle change to the word. And those little subtle changes to, to reality is what gets us in trouble. Amen. So I, I want y'all to, to, to hold this thought of Genesis. And, I, and I'm also going to be, my main text for today is going to be Romans. Specifically 1 and 25. And it says they exchanged the truth of God. Like, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve what God has created instead of the creator himself, who is to be praised forever. Amen. You may be seated. And so the question is, what has God created? Everything. Everything. And so I also had a conversation, amen, I also had a conversation with someone this week about lust. And I told this person that I was going to um, I was going to put together like a reading plan for them, and I've been working on it. And the more and more I studied the word, the more and more dangerous I began to realize that lust is. And I say that based on what I just read to you out of Romans. They began to worship and serve what God has created more than the creator. What has God created? Everything. So God created marriage. God created sex. God created children. God created things of value. Any material thing that we can think of, God made it. And we take those things and we make them into our own gods and we try to shape and form our own reality. Yeah. So in terms of lust, mm -hmm. oh. right? Especially, and there are different types, but that sexual lust. It's you begin to worship sex more than the person who created sex. And then it takes your life over. And now you into pornography and you into all of these other things. Because you place that before God. But the thing that God created, sex, is good in and of itself. I'm going somewhere with this, y'all. Because I want y'all to, y'all got to keep in mind Genesis and y'all got to keep in mind Romans. So an illusion. Hallelujah. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm trying to get to the <laughs> Let me give you the background on Romans. So 
In Romans 1 through 7, Paul opens his letter by explaining what a privilege it is to share the gospel. It's a privilege. That's how I was saying with that teacher on my job. It's a privilege to be able to tell somebody about Jesus and see the light bulb. And it was like she, um, as I was talking to her, she was shaking her head like, that's, that's the truth, but it hurts. Right? And reality hurts sometimes, but it's so important that we still accept it as truth. Because if you don't accept, accept it as truth, what are you actually believing in? You're believing in a lie at that point. But she began shaking her head. So it's a privilege to tell people the truth. And in verses 8 through 15, he gives thanks for the word and the people that he's able to minister to. As a matter of fact, in verse 14, he says, I have an obligation to tell y'all the truth, and I have an obligation to minister to y'all, and I have an obligation to give you what was given me. And so I don't know if y'all remember the sermon I preached a while back about, um, you know, when we were doing Colossians and how to win souls, and, we, and, and God said that it's a labor of love. Right? Having that conversation with a person is difficult. But when you see that it's kind of healing the hurt that they have, it makes it worth it, even though the initial start of or to talk to somebody about what reality about what's really going on is difficult, but it's a blessing in it at the same time. Okay. And the only way you're able to have difficult and real conversations with people is when you tell the truth. Because when you tell a lie and things don't work out, right? I could have said, you know what? Just pray hard and God will heal them. And she could have went home and cried her eyes out and prayed as hard as she could. And God takes her family members and now she's angry at me and she's angry at God. So Paul just gives thanks for the privilege. He gives thanks for the people. And then in verse 16 through 17, he says, basically, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to save. And sometimes we have to remember that, that God's word is powerful enough to save. His reality, his truth is powerful enough to save, is powerful enough to, to make it all right, even when somebody is going through something difficult. You don't have to make up a lie. You don't have to make up an illusion. You can tell the truth, and it's powerful enough. It's powerful enough for a homosexual. It's powerful enough for somebody who is, is trapped in lust. It's powerful enough for someone who is abused. It's powerful enough for someone who's gone through divorce or hurt. It's powerful enough for someone who has lost a child or a parent. It's powerful enough. His word, his gospel is powerful enough to save. You don't have to make up something else. And then in verse 18, Paul tells them what angers God. Mm -hmm. And that's where the illusion takes place. Paul says God's anger is revealed from heaven against all sin and evil of the people whose evil ways prevent the truth from being known. God gets angry when you prevent the truth, when we prevent the truth from being known. When we make up something different. Hallelujah. All right, Brother Martin. I've had to miss the phone. I'm 
wrote it down this Sunday, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God's anger is revealed when God's anger is revealed when we prevent the truth from being known. God would rather us tell the truth. Have you ever heard somebody say, tell the truth and shame the devil? Just go ahead and tell the truth and shame the devil. Thank you, Lord. One of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest obstacles to truth is abuse. Amen. One of the biggest obstacles to the truth is abuse. Abuse is to use something to bad effect or for a bad purpose, to treat with cruelty or violence, especially regularly or repeatedly. It's the improper use of of something. And in times of of distress, a lot of times either we or preachers or so-called Christians abuse the word. We don't handle it correctly. We pick and choose the parts that we want to give to people. Amen. 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 Right? Yes, yes. Sometimes when they need a a, a word of truth that's going to hurt, we give them another word. We give them, you know, things through Christ. (laughs) Right? It's the word. But we're not using it in the context that it's supposed to be used in. And one of the things that I say, one of the biggest obstacles to truth is abuse. When you consider, like, Relationship, like I started out talking about what's going on in society right now. When you think about just relationships or like sexual abuse or lust, a lot of times people have been abused. They, and in order to deal with their abuse, they create an illusion, right? When you have been hurt, when you have been abused, and that's what the that's what the world does to you. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When you have been abused or you have been through a bad situation, instead of dealing with the reality of what has happened, you create an illusion. And it makes it hard for you to accept the truth. So you come up with your own reality. And that makes God angry. And it makes God angry because he's looking like he, he, he cares of number one, he cares about the fact that you've been hurt. But what makes him angry is he feels like you don't trust him enough to love you. Yeah. It's like he's saying to you, I made you, but you're not trusting me enough to love you. And so by the time we get to the 18th verse, the word says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Y'all think about that. What has been known about God is plain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was I was going to call my helper, my helper Chelsea in the back, 
because I want to know if she knew the science, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know if she knew the science. And I begin, y'all, I begin, and, and, and I want y'all to, it'll become clearer why I keep going back to this whole gender thing. It'll become clearer by the time that I get to the end. But this, how can, can how I, I wanted to know the science of can you change? Like I know that matter can be in different states. She teaches she chemistry now. Yeah, that's why I said I was gonna call. So I know water can be frozen or it can be a gas or whatever. But at the end of the day, isn't it the same thing, right? It's the same. Even though it changes states, it's the same thing. Right? So I can take a tree and I can make it into paper, I can make it into furniture, I can make it into whatever, but at the end of the day, it's still a tree, it still came from a tree. Right? So even though it's changing forms, it's the same thing. And so when we think about this whole gender thing or just other areas of our life, why do we try to change things when at the end of the day, like you just change your towns, you just change your phone number, you just change it. Changing cities, you just change the relationships, but you the same thing. The only way you become a new creature is if God changes you. You the same thing, and God is saying what what can be known is plain, it's common sense. But I'm angry because you suppress the truth and make an illusion. He says, for the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. As my grandmama say, there is nothing new under the sun. So what's the point in us trying to change reality and to make it in something that is never going to be? in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. And that's what I was saying. He says what he has made has been clearly per perceived ever since the creation of the world mm -hmm. in the things that have been made. He said, just look around. Nature, how I made it, is the way that it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. To try to change it, it's a lie. Yeah. It's clear. But we are use science, every psychology, religion, we use all of these things to try to switch up a change to make it the way that we want it. Mm -hmm. So God became angry when we change what he's made into something or we distort the truth or we worship his creations more than him. The word says, for although they knew God, and this is the part that gets me, every person who's doing these things, it says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. So I go back to that teacher in my office. And she came looking for an answer. And I, I could have lied, but I gave her the truth. And as she began to shake her head, she was at that point, God was presenting her with a choice to either accept the truth or to come up with her own reality. When you accept the truth, you can get peace in the situation. Amen. When you come up with your own reality, at that point, you start to be at war with God. Because you're trying to change what he has already set in place. Now you're going to be in a constant struggle or a constant fight, and you're not going to have any peace. 
Right? So that teacher in my office, she knew. She already said, you right. I wasn't telling her something that she did not know. I was just confirming in her what she already knew in her heart, that we all got to die. She knew that. And we all know that. We just need more people that will confirm the truth instead of helping us believe a lie that we done created. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory, right? Exchanged the glory. Y'all understand what I mean by that? God made you, fearfully and wonderfully made. When you try to change yourself into something that you're not, you're exchanging the glory that he placed on you with your own form of glory, with your own form of worship. You exchange the glory of the immortal God, always present, never failed, all powerful. And he put that on you and you exchange that for images. For mortal man, for birds and animals and creepers, you, you exchange that for things that's going to burn. For things that's going to pass away. For things that's going to rust. For things that's going to fall apart. Yeah. You exchange what he placed on you, eternity, for something else. And so when you do that, God, the word says that God gave them up to the lust of their hearts. And if I could tell y'all to study, that's a whole other sermon. But if I could tell y'all to study that I'm doing no lust. Mm-hmm. You they exchange the lust. Right? Mm-hmm. He gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Right? For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, they only do them but give approval to those who practice them. I'm almost to the end, y'all. And I want to tie all this together by saying, if I go back to saying how one of the things that prevents the truth from being known is abuse, bad theology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember reading Romans 1 or using Romans 1 to minister to homosexuals. I have done that more than once. And as I was studying this time, God just convicted me of something. And he said, son, I know the intent of your heart, but that was bad theology. Hmm. 
because I was using I was using that scripture as if it only applied to the homosexual. Yeah. But God said that was bad theology because he said, I just use homosexuals as an example of how somebody who is made one way tries to change themselves into something else. But they are not the only people that do that. So when I was reading that list, God was talking about all of us who try to change his truth into a lie. All of us. Anyone who replaces the truth of God with a lie is in danger of damnation. And so, so many times I was like, if you're a homosexual, you're full of this. You're full of boom, 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 boom. And going down that list. And, and, and I'm, I'm repenting of that right now because I though the people that I was ministering to, these were not strangers, but these were people who trusted me. So as I'm saying this to them, they are believing it because it's his pastor saying it to me. And so they knew that they were guilty already. And I can imagine how each one of those words was piling something on top of them. Right? Each one of those words was piling something on top. And I can see how that could make it seem like if I'm all of this, then how can God save me? Right? How can he save me? But the reality is, as I'm ministering to them, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Whoa. And if he can save me, he can save them. Mm-hmm. I hope y'all got that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. These my last five verses. And I'll be done. So Paul says in this second chapter, he says, therefore, you have no excuse on man. Every one of you who judges, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So what if you're not a homosexual? If you try to create your own reality, if you turn your back on the truth of God, if you disobey him when he's telling you to obey him, mm-hmm. every one of you mm-hmm. condemn yourself because you, the judge, mm-hmm. practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God righteously falls on those who practice such things. We know God does not like sin and evil. Mm-hmm. But we try to pick and choose what's a sin and what's evil and make judgments based on we know that. The people that I was ministering to know that. The teaching in my office knew that her family, like, like we all gotta die. Like the reality is, it's written on our heart what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's written on our heart what's gonna happen to each and every one of us. It's written on there. You put it on there. Paul says, do you suppose oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paul is giving it to him. He says, but do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, 
not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, right? He's not going to forgive them, but he's going to forgive you because he loves you so much. Yeah. Not knowing that the same grace and mercy that he's showing to you, he's willing to show to them because his goodness yeah. is designed to lead all of us yeah. to repentance. Yeah. And this is where we get in trouble. And this is my last verse. He says, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because you won't let his goodness, you won't let his truth, you won't let his reality, even when you hurt, you won't let him, you won't trust him to love you, even when you've been abused, even when you've been scarred, even when things have gone wrong. You like, because of your hard heart, you are storing, you won't forgive. You are storing up wrath for yourself. On the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment, on the day of wrath, his righteous judgment, everything's going to make sense. And you're going to see that the the rules and the regulations and and how he has it all lays out makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. In all the opportunities you had, in all the passes he gave you, in all the times and all the dangers and all the things seen and unseen that you escaped, on that day of judgment, his righteousness is going to be fulfilled. And then we're going to see where we really stand. Mm-hmm. And so I just close by saying, y'all, in a time of distress, don't paint an illusion. Mm-hmm. Don't tell yourself it's going, it, it's, going, it's going to be all right when you know that things need to be corrected in order for it to be all right. Don't paint an illusion for other people. Right? Don't make don't don't always try to make people think that you're okay when you're not. Or that you're something that you're not. Or that you got it when you don't. Or that you that or that you understand when you don't. Don't try to paint this false picture that you don't struggle because of, you know, you can do all things through Christ, because you just this good holy Christian, right? You don't have a struggle or you don't make mistakes or your theology has never been bad or you never said the wrong thing the wrong way or at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. When we were doing how our souls are, when we were doing how souls are one, we was talking about like what makes a person drawn to you in the face. It's the truth. Yeah. It's the realness. When they see that you are just like them yeah. but God that makes them want God. Mm-hmm. Anything else is a form of judgment in and of itself. When you paint a false picture about who you are in Jesus, that's a lie. And then when you fall, because God don't pull the covers, and then when you fall, what does that do to the name of Jesus? It makes him look bad. So why not just tell the truth Why Jesus walking with you? Don't paint an illusion during a time of distress. It's self-reality. Amen.